0: Hey, what's up? My name is DJ Artistic. I'm an international DJ from Los Angeles, California with a deep love of music. I'm joined by my co-host,
1: E.B. What's up, everybody? I am E.B. I am a self-professed musicologist, writer, blogger, and content creator based out of Brooklyn. I love soul music and I have a deep passion for black culture. I want to welcome you all to Behind the Wheels.
0: Each episode will engage in stimulating dialogue about music, culture artists we forgot about artists who we love now and those on the come up to start us off if you could travel back in time what time period in music would you want to experience
1: all right so this is good because this is a question that goes through my head every day all day for me it is the 1970s yes you know me it's the 1970s without a doubt i mean just the vocalists from that time period and the live instrumentation is you know those things that we don't get anymore that's unbeatable. Uh, I could probably see myself working Philadelphia International Records <laughs> or Stax, Sal Soul, you know, making some history. I mean, come on, Gambling Huff, come on. In the 70s? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it's,
1: it's just so many elements about the music in the 1970s that I think have laid the foundation for the stuff that we are still listening to today. And I probably would have been at every disco they had. Everyone. At the what the disco you? parties. I could see it. You, you already got the Philly beard, so you would have hey, been perfectly if you were here. Yeah listen i'm trying to be as philly as i can philly is where it's at apparently that's that's where we need to be
0: i feel it i feel it with that the 70s similar to the 90s is that the way i see it 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 was a couple different periods like the early 70s versus the late 70s the sound changed up the fashion changed up a little bit the parties and everything changed up if you had to pick between the 70 the 74 ish era or 75 79 and of course Neither of us were there to see it, but we have an idea just from the music that we're into, from knowing what was released. Uh, what side of the 70s do you think you kind of lean lean more to?
1: I'll say 75 to 79, only because yeah, yeah. we got a different variety. We got the live stuff. We got the disco. We got the funk. We got a little bit of everything right before we moved into like the 80s with the boogie era. So the later part of the 70s. I get that. Yeah, I think as far as the
0: time period for me, I would probably say the same thing as far as that. Mid, late 70s. I think um, the decade kind of came from the... It started off coming from the civil rights era. So a lot of the music was a little bit more serious in tone. And yeah, it was it was some classic, classic slow jams in th- those early 70s. But by the time we got to 75, when the funk, when the disco came in, came in, it was just a whole different level. And for me, especially being from L.A., we love Parliament. So like Parliament, <laughs> funkadelic, like I can't imagine having on some... Uh, having on some, what's it called, some platforms and a an afro even bigger than the one I have right now and some Bootsy Collins shades on, like, cool. I feel like that era just had to be where it was at when it comes to parties. Just talking to some of my neighbors who are in like their 50s and early 60s, they told yeah. me that going to the forum and seeing Parliament live was just a whole different experience.
1: And everything in the 70s, remember, remember, everything was black is beautiful. So it was just yeah. like this ultimate black experience, this expression of love, of freedom, of just, you know, self-awareness that I miss. But yeah, 70s, definitely later part of the 70s, mid to late 70s, I'll say.
0: I think so for sure. I would say this uh, the same era as far as like the uh, disco parties. Like It's funny whenever I read about Studio 54 because it, mm. it reminds me of like the Hollywood clubs in a sense only because of the whole... Um, exclusivity to it so it feels like it was so hard yeah. to get into and you probably heard the story about chic and how they created the song uh yeah the, the, um the freak like the freak Come they on. couldn't get they couldn't get into the club and they already had hits but they couldn't get in because it they was just that exclusive in. and they they made probably one of the biggest songs that got played there because they couldn't get in that night so that that song was a response they changed the lyrics up because they wanted they to be radio friendly <laughs> but yeah at first they were saying f off like basically mm-hmm. letting them know so I would definitely roll with that uh, That mid-late 70s. From there, we're gonna move into our segment of the show that we call Beat Match. So how this works is we're gonna pick two artists and put them head to head and argue to see who will come out on top in a battle. So to refresh everyone's memory, uh, you know, I, I won uh, last week, you know. I, I won that battle we had it was Tribe versus Outcast. Mm. I love them both, but mm. everybody saw how I took that victory, you know, cuz Tribe, victory, you know they. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: Big word. I mean, I, I I barely remember that. I don't I don't remember that going down, so I'm sure the listeners don't either. But uh I mean, who are yeah. we debating this week? Artistic? I mean, it's same
0: way that you, you didn't remember how much heat the Tribe has, you know, but any <laughs> anyway, so this week we're going to do it oh. like this. So uh uh Everybody, everyone li- likes seeing these battles. Uh, these battles have been a real big thing on social media and it's been keeping us engaged. And one of the biggest ones that we debated was of course Teddy Riley versus uh baby But a lot of us felt that it should have been, uh, it would have been even more fun or a better ba- uh, better matchup I should say, if it had been LA Reed and Babyface face versus uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And I think with that, we should probably uh, Get into that i think that would be a good matchup and you know since you're my guest you know i will let you pick who you think (laughs) would come out on top in that battle let's see if uh okay all
1: right so jimmy jam terry lewis and babyface and la reed those are the dynamic duos of music production um yeah i'm gonna go with babyface and la reed interesting okay okay i mean
0: i'm happy you said that because i'm definitely going jimmy jam and terry Each of us will have three minutes or less to make our case. The other will have a chance for rebuttal at the end of us making our cases. And then we'll have a 30-second closing argument. So our producers, Melissa and the lady, will pick the winner. And since I picked first, you know, and I won last time, I'll let you go ahead and
1: Mm, argue first. Wow, he won one time, and that ego is crazy, man. (laughs) Let's get to it. All right. So for me, it doesn't get any more classic than Babyface and L.A. Reed. You got these two young cats that started off with just a dream. L.A. was a drummer and Babyface was a writer and a multi-instrumentalist. And then I think earlier you you, you mentioned Bootsy Collins. We talked about the 70s, right? Yeah. 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 Bootsy Collins actually gave Babyface that name. So his stamp is official. You know, Babyface out the gate. I mean... They were doing big things. In 83, he wrote Slow Jam for Midnight Star, and that became one of the biggest slow jams of all time. Even Monica had to remake that on her album with Usher. I mean, and then was, you got it him. Was yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was, I mean, nice you're still listen. singing it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on now. And then him and L.A. were in the deal together where they gave us another classic song, Two Occasions. That's like everybody from the 80s. That is your teenage love song that is your first crush that is who you're thinking about it does not get more classic than that and then you want to talk about work they did for other people i mean karen white pebbles the whispers johnny gill tevin campbell then they gave us la Face, and they introduced the world to two of the biggest groups in music today you got tony braxton and then you got tlc and then the, the yeah. Boomerang soundtrack. Come on, Boomerang, that movie, we got Tony Braxton, we got Tribe Called Quest, all on one soundtrack. Yeah, it was it was so fire. i give it to you. You're I'm right. I'm just saying that LaFace, LaFace Records, without LaFace, LaFace and Uptown, without LaFace, we don't get to where we are now in music. And that's only possible because of Babyface and Ellie Reed. I get that. I get that. Okay.
0: I mean... I'll say I'm I'm an obvious fan of, of both of them, for sure. Babyface has some classic records, one of the best songwriters ever. Top three, if you ask me, as far as songwriters. But That's right. But when it comes to this overall production, me being who I am and what I enjoy, I got to go uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry. So mm. they have a similar background. I mean, they both came, they all from the Midwest, basically. Yeah. They came from that Minnesota sound. They came from initially the band that we all know caught the time so so the same way that a baby face was stamped by Bootsy Collins they're stamped by Prince and to me I mean I love Bootsy but Prince is Prince and I mean they came through with that Morris Day sound with the time being musicians with their their band then they basically split up and then started doing their own thing and they took it back about the same era those early early 80s they had everything from the uh jimmy jam was doing just even low-key la rap cuts like bad times from a uh, captain rap but aside from that yeah sos band he had those those tracks like just be good to me and that's just one of those bass lines you still listen to and play this day indeed indeed and, and, and before you even got to the whole janet era they had the songs they had the sherelle and alexander O'Neill saturday love we still sing that i mean young kids always uh, always sampling that song and I didn't realize until a couple years ago it's the same verse, first uh, and second verse, but they sang it so much differently that you didn't, you didn't even realize it. It's like Alexander came in with that with that bass, and it's like hold up, it's that's the same verse, but he sang it different. So they 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 had a whole. One thing I'll say is that they had a lot more rings than Babyface and and um, La Reid. So, you get into Janet alone. If you did an actual battle with them, just twenty songs for each, Janet got twenty that could probably compete with Babyface's twenty with everybody he ever he ever worked with. I mean, Janet had the rings. I mean, everything really? from from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Think about it, the eighties. She had the funny how time flies and what have you done for me lately and the miss you much. You get into 90s Janet, you get into early 90s Janet, you have, that's the way love goes and any time, any place. Then the Velvet Rope, they did the Velvet Rope. I mean, they basically took a little bit of everybody's style and made it even better. They took that kind of timbre and bounce and then they did that I Get Lonely. Just the, the breakdown on there is it's so cold. They, they did the, um, they kind of took the Dilla style and they did the, the, the track with Q-Tip. They had the um Got Till It's Gone. They even used a little bit of DJ Quick West Coast on some Go Deep. Like they took all these different styles and made that happen. And aside from those tracks, they, they got into the pop. They had Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block with a little Timbaland slash uh, My Boo ish type of like remix type track and gave him a hit at the carnival in the video, if you remember that one. They had tracks for Usher that you remind me. They even did Seduction, which I still play on some Slow Jam tip. I mean, they they did the Johnny Gill. They had the New Jack Swing going on. We rub you the right way, tender love, forcing these. I mean, I ain't gotta say too much more. But I mean, I, I okay, I got cut off. But I could have kept going for about five more minutes with this hits. You like, you you could yeah.
1: have you could have and that would have been really nice for you. Um, you did mention that Bootsy gave Babyface the name, much in the same way that Prince gave Jam Jam and Lewis his stamp of approval but yeah. bootsy actually influenced prince if we're gonna keep it real you also mentioned you know the work that they've done has been so much more diverse i mean la come on donnell jones sierra as yet Goody mob and outcast you remember Outcast? we talked about them last week of course outcasts yeah. yeah Outcast. I come mean, on yeah. so these are all legendary acts on the Betty face produced
0: Produce actual songs for them though. They did do Not the everybody, face records. But they're, but
1: they're, on, they're on the record label. Well, they're okay. on the label. Yeah. So yeah. we can okay. So let's break it down. Let's talk about them individually. Okay. I'll tell you what Babyface and LA Reed have done separately, and then you tell me what Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis have done separately. So Babyface, let's just be real. Three words waiting to exhale the soundtrack. is classic. Come on. Yep. You got him doing that. You got L.A. Reid is a record man. I mean, Arista, Def Jam. So he's worked Michael Jackson, DJ Khaled, Kanye West, Rihanna, Future, and Justin Bieber. If you want to talk about pop hits and, and big names, Jordan Knight. All right. Yeah, no, that's the old kid on the block now. So uh, it doesn't old matter what way you right, spin right. it. Babyface and L.A. Reid win both collectively and separately. I mean, as far as what they did
0: label-wise, I'll give you that because Jimmy and Terry were, were – Focused on being writers and producers, but as far as it being a production battle, yeah, I have to still go Jimmy and Terry. I mean, yeah, of course, Jordan Knight was not Timberlake, but the fact that he <laughs> he was able to produce a pop song that got charted, you know, number ten with a with a whole different crowd from the R and B, and I feel like yeah. they just had had a much more diverse sound. I feel like Babyface, like I'm gonna say it, and people might hate me, mid to late '90s Babyface, some of those productions get a little bit repetitive and they don't really move me a whole lot. He was an amazing writer, but some of the production uh, is just kind of the same loop, the whole thing. Jimmy Jam and Terry, I mean, just I get lonely. Damn. Can we break it down, break it down? That's one of the coldest breaks you ever heard in your life, and you know it is. So I got to roll with them. That's that's my uh, closing argument, though.
1: All right. Closing argument. Um, you're missing Janet a lot. Like, that's their only claim to fame, I, I would Hope that it's not, and also, I mean, who can even hear what the hell she's saying? Like, you got to turn the stereo whoa, all whoa, the way up, all that whispering. If you wait a minute, be real. wait a minute. So, okay. if you want to talk about production, you got Babyface working with Aretha Franklin, you got Babyface working with Mary J. Blige, you got Babyface working with Faith Evans, you got Babyface working with TLC, Babyface working with Tony Braxton, like these actual vocalists who sing from the diaphragm, and you can hear them. I mean, at the same time, Janet. Janet's
0: voice is an instrument. So it's like, yeah, it is. It really is. When you hear Janet sing, uh-huh. it's like- It's an
1: instrument. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: it really is. It's like, it goes so perfect with the music. Mm. And the thing is, yeah, that's their main, that's the main claim to fame, but she's Janet. Mm. I mean, she's like, Beyonce's the biggest artist in the world. And who was her biggest influence? Janet. So Janet is that. But even aside from that, I mean, Usher, the, the trash they did with Usher. Usher, uh, they did three songs on- um, what I would say the biggest, the biggest song—I mean, the biggest album—was in the whole 2000s. So I could keep going, but you know, I keep getting cut off and all that. You, so know, you don't have to keep
1: going because I know you know big names: Tony Braxton, Mary J. Blige, Aretha Franklin, TLC. I mean, who, who did "No More Drama"? Though I mean, yeah, Mary. Who who produced that? Any, it anyway, it doesn't matter who was in the studio. Any, I'm telling you, who was who was singing it?
0: Anyway, anyway. All right, so look, we gon' we can go on for this all all day long. So. I'll go ahead and um I'll go I'll go ahead and let our producers go ahead and deliberate off the mic and pick the winner of this battle. Let's see if it's gonna be me again or if it's gonna be me again. Let's see.
1: <laughs> Let's see about it. Wow, so confident.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh so those were some <laughs> really of the arguments this week. It was a little challenging for me, but um, I had to stay focused and really listen <laughs> to the explanations here. So I'm gonna go with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. What? Based on Dang. the the songwriting and production as the duo alone, I, separately, L.A. Reid and Babyface have done so much. Like, just, they're huge. But when I think about how their careers went beyond it and L.A. being an executive and all these things, like, his influence on other people is different. I'm just looking at the songwriting production duo, mm. and I just can't, I can't vote against Janet and Velvet hey.
1: Man. Telling you, hey. telling you. But it's
2: it, the, whole, the whole catalog, for real.
1: Man.
0: I mean, we saying all right. One has spoken. Let's see about the second one. We might have a draw. We might need the audience if... uh Let's see. Melissa.
2: The very first concert I ever went to was Janet Velvet Rope. <laughs> oh. And so it has all a right. special place <laughs> in my heart. Me and my sisters were <laughs> dancing in the crowd and Janet had her people bring us her autograph. Like, Whoa, whoa. <laughs> See? I also Sweet. went to that tour in Philly.
1: Oh, okay. This is a nostalgic battle. This is what <laughs> but, <it is.
2: laughs> let's roll it back, though. Okay, let's roll it wait, back. Uh,
0: wait, wait, wait.
2: We actually split on this one. <laughs> I oh. feel uh, as a duo together, L.A. Reed and Babyface have had more of a impact on um just like production wise um and this is this is re- this was really hard for me because i was sitting here but i was like i just i have to go on based on what you guys are debating yourselves um but yeah la and Babyface.
0: Mm. Uh, so we tie so i think i might do a poll or something because we need to see we gotta have a tiebreaker we can't both be Co-winners, you know, you know, I don't see you know <laughs> I
1: might have to get the audience. so well, audience we, we if do you're need listening, t- we do need a tiebreaker.
0: um I think definitely. so I think so. So audience, if you're listening, first of all, if you if you have any ideas for who you want us to uh beat match next, go ahead and tweet us. I'm at d j r t i s t i c He is a at e b for easy So go ahead and um mention us and then use the hashtag behind the wheels Pod. But also let us know, you know, uh, who you think won this current one, you know.
1: And for anybody that didn't get the the reference here, beat matches, B-E-A-T beat, as in I'm probably about to beat him again, but um, you know, there's
0: Yeah, right,
1: I man. don't know what's going on here tonight. I feel like it's sabotage. Like we need to stop the count of the votes.
0: We gotta stop the count. All right, Trump. All right. <laughs> All right, there you go. I mean. We already know who, who won this. We're we just waiting for the Electoral College, <laughs> a.k.a. social media. Social so, media. You know, Come on, y'all. Yep, yeah, we waiting for that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to discuss a definitive album that changed our, our lives, our shaped us. We're also going to discuss artists you may have forgotten about and newer artists that you should know about. While we're taking a quick break, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review the show. This helps other people find the podcast. I wanted to give a shout-out to Mikey Van Halen. Mikey left a review that said the following, I started watching DJ Artistic on Twitch randomly and liked the vibe. The podcast is definitely dope. It's engaging. It kept me entertained. From the artist's face-off to the subjects discussed, this podcast is definitely set for a bright future. I'm looking forward to seeing y'all's success. I appreciate you, Mikey. Now, back to the show. All right, everyone, we're back, and this segment here is called The Drop. This is when we discuss a hot topic going around on social media. So today, we're going to discuss a definitive album that changed our lives or shaped us.
1: All right, so that's a hard one for me. Um... The first one that comes to mind, because I was thinking about this, is the Joan Girls 1979 debut Mm. album. Um, Self-titled, of course. I mean, they got I'm At Your Mercy on it. They got Who Can I Run To, We're a Melody, Mm. Life Goes On, You're Gonna Make Me Love Somebody Else. That's The Feelings Killing Me. That album, first of all, the production on there, because it's Philadelphia International Records. Come on, everybody. Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff, that's top tier right there. Dexter Whansel and then you got these three sisters singing in this perfect harmony and mm-hmm. every note is on point and I think their um their influence on other girl groups they may not have gotten the recognition that some others have gotten yeah. but people definitely study their vocals and just the lyrical content I mean like I said Dexter Whansel like that's one of the biggest of the big like if you want to talk about people who have shaped black music Mm -hmm. dexter oneself leon kenny like that's that's where i'm at so that's i think that probably just made me realize i heard music differently i heard um these three sisters taking these uh these gospel harmonies and these beautiful tones and you know singing for the devil and (laughs) it it let me know that i could too can live my life in the same way that they sang that album. So that's my, the Jones Girls, 1979 debut album.
0: That was that was the, her debut. So that yeah. means Nights nice Over Egypt came from their second it, album? It was on their third? second.
1: No, it was on their third album. Yeah. Third album. Okay. yeah.
0: That was like 81, I think. 81, 82. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Okay. Yeah. So Jones Girls, I agree. I feel like that's one of those groups that if you're a music head, you know about them, but- a lot of younger folks wouldn't really know about them by name, but they know all their songs. And if they realize, of course, the Escape remix alone is probably what connects a lot of um, modern R&B, I would say 90s, 2000s fans to them. Oh, so yeah. I will definitely roll with that. So for me, um, it was between two, but I'll pick one that I would say was a little bit more definitive overall. So my favorite album ever um, actually just celebrated its 27 year anniversary uh, Snoop Dogg Doggy style. Of course, growing up LA and even just being like into rap so much, but getting into rap at that same exact moment, like summer of 93, that was just the mm-hmm. biggest thing in the whole world. But uh surprisingly, the album that I would say really defines me even more as a whole, um, is an album that a lot of folks might not be super familiar with. Um, overall, it's uh Quincy Jones Q's jig joint. Oh yeah. It was a big album at the time, but it's, it's one of those albums that you don't really hear mentioned when it's like the, the canon of 90s albums. And because Quincy Jones is seen as more of a legendary producer, it's where I think even the um, Back back on the Block might get a little bit more love, even though it's older, just because of the Tevin Campbell track. But right. right. I would say Q's Juke Joint. So the thing about this album is that, I'll say this, uh, 93 is when I got into rap. And I came from a household where my dad's a jazz musician who's also the church drummer. My mom was a music major as well. And she was a, a church singer in the choir. So we grew up hearing just you know Anita Baker and jazz, not even that much like Motown at all, more so the jazz gospel. But it was where, 93, I was all about rap. So they realized that their little nine-year-old, eight-year-old son is into rap. They already kind of panicking like, oh no, because some of the stuff I listened to, <laughs> I didn't know what they were saying. So I will bring them cassette tapes, I will record Domino Ghetto Jam and just write the lyrics out. <laughs> And I would show them, like, yeah, it's my favorite song. And they were reading just be, be like, you know what this means? I'm like, no. like It says <laughs> something about now I need a trick so I can handle my business. And it was just like to them, they're like, no, this is just not you know, what we want you listening to. And I got in trouble for sneaking to listen to Doggy Style. But all wow. that to say, Q's Duke Joint is the first album that me and my parents both enjoyed the same. So when they played this album all the time on road trips, I remember going to Vegas back in 96 and her playing that on repeat just because it was something that me and my cousin, Nate, uh, we both enjoyed every song on there. And it was like the perfect blend of the old school and new school. So it was a way for both generations to connect, kind of building on what Back on the Block did. But to me, it was even a little bit more musical overall. So, of course, Back on the Block had the um, the classic um, with, James Ingram and the Barge and all them mm-hmm. the um what's it called what's it called the secret garden secret garden yeah, yeah. secret garden of course so Q's Duke joint the biggest song on there was probably um the Tamia I think you put a move on my heart
1: yeah that's pretty so cold.
0: yeah that song so is yeah. a straight pure pure R&B but it was just so cold to me and it was where I remember the uh Killer Joe Cool Joe Mean Joe track just from being on like the radio before that album came out but Hearing it remade and having Tone Local in the beginning of it, hearing Queen Latifah on there. It was a combination of these artists who I already liked. So I'm telling my dad, that's Queen Latifah. That's the Loonies. That's Coolio. And he's telling me well, that that's um, you know so and so on this track. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that song is Moody's Move for Love. So it had Take Six on there. It had Ryan and Come on. Yeah, Ro- Rochelle Pharrell was on that. And they yeah. had the Stomp remake. They had Shaq. And like, as much as we, we laugh at Shaq being a rapper. He was actually a cool, solid He rapper. was all
1: right. Yeah, he was yeah. all
0: right. He yeah. had some tracks. So yeah. that album definitely defined uh, my childhood, I would say. And the funny thing about, uh, they had a song um, called Heaven's Girl. And I think it, it felt like Quincy was trolling us because we all know that Aaron Hall basically got his style from Charlie <laughs> Wilson. Charlie got his style from Stevie. But of course, it was like, Charlie got his style from Stevie. Aaron got his style from Charlie. R. Kelly got his style from... Uh, Aaron Hall. Aaron Hall. yeah, And then Quincy put Charlie, Aaron, and R. Kelly on this same song. And it's like, you can tell them apart, of course, but it's crazy hearing all three of them on the same song because, I mean, Aaron didn't care for R. Kelly that much and still doesn't because of the whole he's image, the image yeah. thing. I was at a show at the Conga Room nine years ago, and he even said he, he had an album coming out that was basically dissing R. Kelly because he's going to name the album, There Can Only Be One Me. Like, he's still mad oh. about it. So the fact that Quincy got them all on the same song was crazy. And the last thing i said about that album is they had a song called slow jams and yo speaking of
1: your your boy Babyface, he Him. loves
0: slow jams because he listen, has like yeah
1: the original version not the version that's on the album with tamia yeah the version with swv slow jams
0: oh yeah because originally it was supposed to be coco yeah. singing that yeah
1: that version it's on youtube for anybody listening who wants to go and listen to it that yeah. is my favorite version no it's a great album it's a great pick yeah for sure for sure like that
0: I heard that was because I think Quincy was pushing uh, Tamiya, so he wanted
1: to get her on there instead.
0: It was some type of politics, but... Right. Yeah, so that's the album that I'll go ahead and and pick for that. So um, for everybody who's listening, if there's anything in the music industry that you would like us to discuss, go ahead and send us an email at behindthewheelspod at gmail.com. So for this next segment, we're going to go ahead and rewind back to some artists that you may have forgotten about. So... E.B., uh, who would you like to discuss for this week?
1: Um, I, on Twitter, uh, mentioned or listened to a song by Nicole Ray, and somebody was like, what? I've never heard this. She mm-hmm. had more than one song, and I was like, "Wow!" more than one song. Her She had a whole first album, a whole second album, and hmm. a whole third album, and she's still working today, so Nicole Ray... Is who I have to discuss because that make it hot. I guess that's why that song was just a monster. Like it was huge. Yeah, on make it hot, it had a uh, Missy, Timberland, and uh I think Mocha did the the, the rap at the beginning. So that so that was it, I never uh, realized what that was. Yeah, okay. it was Moka. That was one of my favorite songs. But that whole album, her debut album, I think. If you want to talk about artists, like teenage artists like brandy's and alias and monica's like nicole had a pretty solid album i mean she had 17 on there she had um borrowed time on there um it just it was very cohesive it was a cohesive album and then her second project which is probably why people don't know about it it originally got shelved it was supposed to be called electric blue but they did have a single i'm looking with a video And for me, who downloaded it illegally on probably like Napster or something. Napster, the OG. Yeah, the song always messed up at one part. And so that is to, to this day oh when I play it, I have to oh sing God. it like that because it was like computerized a little bit. And the first time I realized that, it, I was like, yo, I've been singing it wrong. Like, this is a, I thought oh it was, God. I thought she was ahead of her time. I thought it was a special effect, but it was just, you know, that's what you get when you download stuff. Them illegal. corrupted files, them corrupted yeah, files. Yeah, easy. I was just like, I was like, oh, like it's a real song. Like, she didn't mess. Like, okay. But no, nah, Nicole Ray, um, wow. and then Nicole like people think she stopped and disappeared she did not she actually changed her name so now she goes by Lady Ray um Lady Ray okay. for a while she was in a group with uh Terry Walker they released uh, an album under the moniker of Lady so they called themselves Lady so then she started going by Lady Ray and her actual last album was 2016 it was called Queen Alone and I wow. would say I love it because it's not the Nicole Ray that we were introduced to when she was a teenage girl. It's very stripped down, um, strong vocals. There's it, it reminds you of like a Jasmine Sullivan or a Tweet in, in the sense that mm. um, you get like these acoustic tracks. You get this live instrumentation, but she's just like pouring her heart out. So I do want people to know Nicole Ray is still here. She just goes by Lady Ray. She is still releasing music. Um, her albums are, in my eyes, classic. So you definitely... Should go and listen to some of those.
0: That's crazy because uh, uh, two things. So the first thing I'm dying of you getting a song from Napster because there's um, <laughs> so many songs that have a skip. Like uh, whenever I hear DJ play, uh, what was it Touch Me, Tease Me with the uh, Case and uh, yeah. Foxy? The second verse it has a skip on there. You can tell DJ's got it from the uh, Napster. And yeah. Also, it reminds me of how Sierra. I think AOL on, music, personal music, yeah. Come on,
1: oh man! <laughs> we, we I still the saying that. Life, yeah. we, come on now. When you you know we were young <laughs> yeah. and this is this stuff like this technology wow. was new, and instead of having to spend this money or have our parents do this, like we could just download these yeah. songs. It was so, nuts. It was yeah, everything like e- yeah. even, and I think. That Sierra song that was a good one because I still every time I hear Sierra I do have to say real music, music or listen and then that Nicole Ray I'm dead serious yeah. like I was shocked that that was not part of the song I thought that it was like early auto tune I didn't know
0: that's crazy to me because it's it's really it shows we all have the same life basically and um, <laughs> yeah and and along with that you mentioned to her she has some parallels with Gina Thompson a little bit because yeah. Gina Thompson uh, she had that uh, the things you do. Also with Missy on that first yep. single. And then it um hit. her second album got shelled. I didn't know she had a second album it. until yeah, four years ago. Man. That calling <laughs> you track.
1: <laughs> calling yeah. you is the best song yeah. on the album. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, you wow. That, that track goes so cold. And then then she hit the song with John B. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, yeah,
1: like, man. Just nah, shows yeah. How,
0: yeah, so many it's, artists uh, basically get have the, the industry politics that throw them off. And oh yeah. Yeah, they end up like. It's funny, just like you said. It's where if you're not really a deep, deep music head who's following these artists, you, you will know. say what what happened to them. So yeah, that's definitely a good pick there. And for my pick, so people on Twitter are gonna laugh as soon as I say it because I've I've basically mentioned them <laughs> twice and it's gone viral <laughs> both times. Um, mm-hmm. so DRS, DRS had a song in 1993 called Gangster <laughs> and it's like to me, it's one of the most fascinating things in the world because it's like. I said, in my last time, my last tweet that that went viral with it, I basically said, Gang Sling is the most 1993 song ever. And And, it is. And I say that because it's like, it defined the time. It was a type song that it came, it was huge at the time, everybody knew it, sang it every day and you never heard it again. And like, I was just checking Billboard exactly 27 years ago to this week. It was number four on Billboard, not on R&B or hip hop, but overall Billboard. And just to just to kind of show you how big it was. This same week, that was the number four song, Gangster Lean. Number five was Shoop. Number six mm. was just kicking it mm. from Escape. Mm. Mariah Carey, uh Hero number seven. That's crazy. Number nine was Tag <laughs> Team. Whoop, well, there it is. That's crazy. 10 was John A. Hey, Mr. DJ. <laughs> Eleven was Tony Braxton Breathe Again. Tevin Campbell peaked at number 12 with Can We Talk. Tupac, keep your head up. 15 and Tony Tony Tony, anniversary number 16. 93 was one of the best R&B years in history to me. Just the albums, the singles. You also had the the H-Town, knocking the Boots. You had the Silk, Freak Me. You had the the for, for Big Name I said earlier, but he had that whole album about playing something a certain number of times. I'm going to just call it a dozen, <laughs> The Dozen Album. And all these songs and albums that came out, and with the hip hop songs that were out, Snoop had Doggy Style, and Tribe had just dropped, Wu-Tang has just dropped. This song was huge. And it's like, it came and went, and it was basically, what it was, was like the precursor to Crossroads. So yeah. Crossroads came, and it, it became a lot more legendary, but at the time, this song was like the perfect blend of everything that was, 93. So it was the the whole LA gangster look and image was just in style. It was following up the riots. It was the same year as uh, Minutes to Society, the same year as Doggy Style, Boys in the Hood. It was two years before that. So it was right there in that peak time. The chronic is just dropped. They had the look of of all the rappers. Somebody even joked and called them like uh, "bloods." Was it "bloods to men" or something on Twitter? Like Bloods somebody to just Come on joked now. and called them that because they had that look. <laughs> but then when you hear them sing, like like the vocals on there, it sounded just like everything else in '93. It had that. It was a super gospel influence, and '93 was like the
2: mm-hmm. one of
0: the most strongest gospel influence years. You had the everything from Escape having the um the the um is my living in pain type track to yeah. even. All the, the other R&B that you had at the time had those same harmonies. So the organs coming in on it, and then the lyrics, were is so over the top, ninety-three, Dro- tipping a forty to your memory, and it was just um, what do you say? Put them, them dice down for the, for a second. Like, <laughs> is this is really a gangbang bang song disguised as a gospel and B song? And it's like it's one of those things B. that kids have never heard it before. I, I was playing it for a young DJ who was born in nineteen ninety. And she did not believe me that it was a hit. She was like, this song could not have been big. It's it's like a mockery. She saw it as like a as like a joke almost. And she asked like her mom- Like a weird Al
1: Yankovic type Yeah, a, it
0: feels like a mockery looking back at it. <laughs> she asked her mom, who was probably like 20. her mom was like, no, that song was my favorite song then. So I had, to, I had to discuss that song because it, it just shows like, it kind of gets into the, the fact that a lot of songs are so big and you never hear them again. And it's like- Yeah. It shows that there's a, a difference between making a, a current hit and a, a everlasting classic because all those songs I mentioned after, even kids who were born in ninety eight still know all those songs I mentioned. But this one just came and went. So it's always yeah. it's funny to go back to these type of songs and revisit and just to see like what happened. And as far as their whole story, they're actually signed to MC Hammer's group. So they came from LA, of course, but they're signed with MC Hammer, who was from the Bay. And the mm-hmm. album I heard the album a couple of years ago because I never heard it. It yeah, I, I still never
1: heard the album. The album.
0: You don't really want to hear it. They, no. <laughs> Yeah. It's, so they basically, it felt like a mockery. It felt like CB4, mm. R&B
1: version. They're mm. trying to
0: be like gang bang singers. So they had a second single that didn't have success. It was called Scrowns Was Get
1: Lonely. And then, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Wait. Yeah. So would they, would they be considered like the West Coast answer to Jodeci? Like, you know, trying nah. to take-
0: Nah. Because like know. <laughs> No, nope. Jodeci was still RB. <laughs> they're trying to be like, uh, nice, like they're trying, they're I'll put it this way. They had songs where they're singing about like even their sexual songs were overly sexual, where Jodeci was still, <laughs> it was still 93. So Jodeci was being more overt than than Guy was, and more overt than like mm-hmm. than uh, maybe even the Rule Boys. But right, right, right. Jodeci was still, you know, freaking you. It wasn't called effing you. You know, DRS, they was coming with, one song they had was, um, they have a song called N-Word with a Badge. It's like, they, they're really oh, trying wow. to be that bridge. They had a song called Mama Didn't Raise No Punk. So it was like, they're trying to go Sounds a like bit
1: a stage too. play, like a Tyler Perry play or something. It really it?
0: was. It was like a mockery. It's like, it, it was basically what it was. I will say it was, it was Don't Be a Menace. And um, it was like, yeah. Don't Be a Menace, but like, as an R&B group.
1: I mean, I just, like, yeah, that's a song that you had to be there to remember, but I just want to point out again, like the songs that you named that were also like big. I don't see any Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis songs, but I do see Babyface and Elliot Reed. I'm just saying.
0: Well, well, I mentioned the songs that was above. The number mm. two song that week was Janet Jackson again. <laughs> Who was that for this? Come on, man. Hey, look, look, look. I'm just saying, though.
1: Huh. What was the number one song? I'm curious.
0: Something white,
1: <laughs> there was uh, <laughs> that, that sounds about yeah, white. It was like a Brian Adams song or something. No, oh, okay, all right, Some babyface like probably that. wrote, you know.
0: No, nah, he didn't write it, no, nah. he didn't, <laughs> but you know, he probably worked with him one time, though, something like that. So,
1: but nah, DRS definitely like that's until you mentioned it to me, honestly, I had forgotten about it. Like, I didn't remember, I didn't know they had a whole album, so <laughs> that's news. Like, I thought they would just. A one, well, I guess technically, I guess they were a one hit wonder. But I thought they just released a single yeah. and that was it. I didn't know that they actually released a full album, so I'm yeah. very curious to go listen to it, even though you said don't. I want you to hear it just, just so you can
0: text me with some mm. jokes because it's like wow. And like you said, one hit wonder it's funny because I would say half of the one hit wonders in rap and RB to us are not one hit wonders, it's just that they only had one big hit, but one big hit, we right, were right. still fans of them, they were one hit wonders. like. <laughs> they had that one, and nobody nobody cared about anything else they had. So they're the, the, uh, the definition of it. And just to be, just to kind of wrap up the story with them, being that they're they're right here in LA, it's the type of thing where they actually I think the 25 year anniversary was two years ago. They had some posters up around around town talking about we're trying to do a reunion, but we need <laughs> we need two more artists to fill in the gaps because two of our artists are unavailable. Oh, they I asked somebody who knew them, They said, yeah, two of them are in jail now. So they were really a- about that life. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. That song was that song well, well, was authentic. I mean, I'll say they
1: weren't they weren't yeah. front. They were singing like yeah. what they knew. So hey, it's I authentic. I but nothing for... else.
0: It, it is truly authentic. It wasn't them trying to. It sounds like a mockery, but it was it was their real life. So yeah. Wow. So so going along with that, we're gonna go ahead and put some of our favorite songs from the ray and our favorite song <laughs> in singular <laughs> form <laughs> from the <DRS. laughs> Yeah, it's only song. one. It's only one. Yeah. Only that one. We might put two. We might put their second single just for fun. We're going to put that, along with some some uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry and Babyface and L.A. Reid and some, some other music from the artists that we discussed in this episode. It'll all be on our Spotify playlist, so it'll be a link in the show description. So at this point, let's go ahead and fast forward to the future and talk about some artists that we think you all should know about. So, E.B., who do you want to introduce to the uh, listeners?
1: all right it's actually somebody i just discovered his name is mark ferg and um i think this year he released this album called planet earth is a ghetto but i still love you and my favorite thing about it is it's a concept album the album is um talking about everything that's wrong in the world right now from the uh the news about uh brianna taylor earlier this year to even covid and being in quarantine like there are songs dedicated to that and i don't think as often that we Uh get artists willing to um go outside of the box and sing about real life stuff you know in the same way that a curtis mayfield would like they sing about the time so when you go back and listen to it then you have a sense of what the world was like then outside of you know musical fantasies but um he's a he's based out of new york but he is a hybrid rapper singer. Um, he's not a Drake type. He's a- he actually can sing. Um, and this album, listening to it, like I was just blown away the first time because I was like, Oh, you're talking about being quarantined, like I'm quarantined. Yeah. Like, you're talking about staying in the house and wearing a mask. Oh my god, I got a mask on. Like it was that type of deal. And I was like, we don't get that. Like, I, I can't name anybody else who's act- act- actively singing about. What we're going through right now, you know, and responsibly, like he's not saying, you know, Mm -hmm. it's we got COVID out here, go out and do whatever. No, he's actually Mm -hmm. aiding and like, hey, let's get these numbers down. Let's mask up. Let's quarantine. Do what we're supposed to do. And he he does it in a way that like the song about quarantine is like a love song, and he's counting down the minutes, the seconds until he gets to see the woman that he loves because they're both on quarantine, and even though they're in love, they can't be together. So Mark Ferg is definitely like one of my artists to watch, and he has more albums, but this is the the one that was released this year, and it was the first one that I actually got into, and I'm going to dive into the rest.
0: I got to check him out. Uh, who has he worked with? Uh, is anybody that you're familiar that he works with as far as other artists? Or... No,
1: um, I've seen no one that he's worked with, honestly, that I knew. Mm.
0: Got you. Okay, so Mark Ferg, I'm going to check him out for sure. Yeah, because um, It's crazy you said that because it is... I've seen rappers mention quarantine recently, but it's kind of in like a joking way, or they have right, like, right. like two chains has a song called Quarantine Thick, so right, right, yeah. So I've seen that, but that's that's been about it. So, all right, so that's Mark Ferg. Uh, for me, I'll discuss a uh artist more so a producer named Maxwell, but he's an artist because he has his own albums and projects, so yeah, Maxwell, um, it's spelled MXXWLL. So. Of course, it's not the one who we know who made Embrya and all those classic albums, but it's not It's not at all. Totally different. But he's a young cat from he's actually from Australia. He's a white cat from Australia. And I caught um, I found out about him maybe three years ago. Uh, one of my boys sent me a, a video of him making a, a beat. And he's one of those who went viral for just making songs like on Instagram, Twitter, where he's basically making the beat from scratch. So he shows you just the drums and he, he shows you each part of it and it all flows it's all on beat and you hear the finished product and it's just like wow like he actually he actually knows what he's doing so he's the type that his style is straight up like funk it's like that new era kind of funk synthy mm-hmm. it sounds very synthy but in a, in a dope way and it's where the first song I heard from him he remixed the uh, Big Boy track Shutterbug uh, was a track from Big Boy back in 2000 I think 8 or 9 so he remixed that track and he had the talk box and everything on it and it was just a cold track to me and uh, from there, I've been following him, and he has a lot of remixes. I actually saw him live in L.A. about two years ago, and he he had about five remixes. Even though he responds to your DMs, he will not send you his remixes. And I'm like, I respect it, because it's like <laughs> a lot of times producers, like they they can be the opposite. They want their songs to blow up. He yeah. makes those just for his performances. He doesn't want anybody else to have them. And I'm like, I respect it. Wow. He remixed the uh, the Usher, uh, You Remind Me, and there was just a bounce to it. I'm like, this is crazy. So... He has a he has a couple of um, beat tapes that are more so instrumental. He has a song called Palm Trees, a song called For You, just fire to me. He had a whole album this year he released called Sheesh, and um, he has a couple of dope songs on there called uh, The Things You Do. His biggest song so far, he produced a track for Ty Dolla Sign and J. Cole last summer called um, Purple Emoji. And at first, I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, Purple Emoji. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so he produced that song for them and. Um, he has a couple other remixes that got big, but um, Jazzy Jeff, Snoop, everybody else has actually uh, rocked with him before. And to me, if I could compare him to anybody, I don't like saying. I mean, he has a little bit of a Battle Cat style to him, but if not Battle Cat, I would say it's, it's different. It's just that new era kind of like if it it's on the, the whole selection wavelength. Yeah, I feel like it's that kind of new era style that it's it's futuristic, but it still has a, a real strong '80s to it the 80s bass lines, the funk, the synth. So I want to see what, what he's going to come up with. I would say my favorite song from him overall that he's produced is probably for uh, for Levin Cali. That's the uh, R&B mm. artist. He did a song for him called One-on-One. And it just sounds like some, it's one of those songs that you hear it and it's like, it just sounds like the 80s, but I can't tell you who from the 80s it sounds like. It just has a real lush production to it. I would even say on the modern tip, it sounds a little bit like something that Bruno Mars would be on because it has the, you know how Bruno loves that 80s, early 90s yeah, sound. So that, It has yeah. those, the bridge on there is crazy. It has a dope build-up to it. It has a dope resolution to it. So I was just telling everybody to check out Maxwell. Once again, his name is spelled M-X-X-W-L-L. And um, with that, I think that's about all we have for this episode. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have a winner for the uh, beat match, but we're going to rely <laughs> on y'all to let us know who y'all think came through with that. Yeah. So EB let everybody know where to find you online.
1: Yeah, I'm everywhere at EB for Prez. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I guess now Clubhouse. I'm EB oh, for yeah. Prez. You can always hit me up, send me, you know, your questions, your any polls you want us to do, your ideas, you know, we love to hear from you.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, for me, I am um I'm DJ Artistic on Twitter and Instagram, so that is DJ R T I S T I C. On Twitch, I'm on Twitch, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That's twitch.tv slash RTISTIC310. I'm also on Clubhouse as well. So the same as my Instagram and Twitter, DJRTISTIC. Shout out to everybody on Clubhouse. We might have to discuss that next episode because it's it's starting to get fascinating on there. And then um, along with that, I'll just say thank you all for listening to Behind the Wheels episode three. Make sure to join us again in two weeks please go ahead and give us a, a rating and um and review us as well on apple Podcasts, and we have the playlist once again in the notes of this episode it's a spotify playlist for y'all so stay tuned and thank you all for listening behind the wheels is produced by melissa d Monts and the lady yahuma Sek. it's edited by melissa d Monts, and the music is provided by epidemic sound
2: we can keep it going do you guys need okay. any a break or water anything
0: uh just got wipe the champagne off my face from you know champagne. <laughs> gotta, oh man.
2: Wow. Champagne oh, okay. Wow.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Woo. All yep. right. Uh roll yep. the tapes. Yep. So all right. Wow. All right. It's out of my eyes now. I can see. I can read the uh the notes. So all right, let's get back to it.